From the Church of the Nazarene and Mesoamerica Genesis, you're listening to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Worthless Servants Podcast. Oh, it is incredible to be with you in this moment. And instead of leaving it towards the end, before I even introduce anybody, I'm going to say... If you are listening to this and you like this podcast, you can even pause it right now. I give you permission and you can go and let five other people know about this. We're going to reiterate this. We're almost nearing our 100th episode and we have some stuff planned for that. But we want our listenership to grow and double, at least double, by the time we have 100 episodes, right? So, We'll tell you how you can do that, but make sure you tell other people about us. So with that in mind, here are the other people that form part of this crazy podcast. I am Scott Armstrong, but to my left, Emily Armstrong. Hey, everyone. To my right, AJ Fry. Hi, guys. And across from me, Natalie Franco. Hey, guys. And Chelsea Fry. Fun facts with Chelsea. Fun fact, the average four-year-old child will ask over 300 questions a day. I was just about to be like, what? Oh, shoot. I'm a three-year-old child. (laughs) Wait, why? Why? (laughs) What kind of questions? (laughs) (laughs) That that was a good question. Exactly. There you go. We are a podcast of (laughs) three-year-olds. Wait, we are a podcast of four-year-olds. Scott and Elijah. Uh, Scott and Elijah. Scott and AJ. (laughs) Elijah's my 17-year-old son. Also, also for you. Did you also know that the uh, centipede could kill a four-year-old? <laughs> As we're talking about four-year-olds, I just wanted to throw that oh, wow. out. Why do you know that? Only the centipedes that are like from here, right? But like, no, like this was in Venezuela. Oh. Yeah. But it's the same kind that's here. Same kind yeah. of centipedes. Yeah. Come visit DR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought I knew what centipedes were. And then right. so, the one in DR, I was like, oh, that is a gigantic. Centipede? That's a horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> With a hundred legs. Yeah. <laughs> Scary. Well, oddly, oddly enough, a four-year-old that asks a lot of questions may have a little bit to do with this topic. And, and I'll tell it you does. why. Nice. It's because we're going to talk about things that sometimes in church systems are not looked upon as very well, right? As very healthy. So in other words, we're going to use a book that I came across and, and ended up we ended up kind of writing an article based on this. And you can see that in the show notes, but it's from Stephen Arterburn and Jack Felton, really a book actually written several years ago, but the book's called Toxic Faith, Experiencing Healing Over Painful Spiritual Abuse. Now, full disclosure on this one, this episode may not be the light one. Like we started out kind of light and funny and this one, we're going to be talking about what happens when spiritual communities, when faith communities Uh, when we don't live up to what God wants us to be. So these are 10 rules of a toxic faith system. I'm going to say all of them. We won't touch on all of them. But then afterwards, uh, we'll kind of jump in and you guys can can start, right, on whichever one you have seen. We're not going to be mentioning names or places, but just things that we've observed. And then at the end of this episode, we're hoping to give you some hope and say, this doesn't have to be this way. We can see a better way. So these are the 10 rules of a toxic faith system. Control, blame, perfectionism, delusion, perpetual cheerfulness, blind loyalty, conformity, mistrust, 
avarice. Some people aren't familiar maybe with that word, but greed. And then the last one is a spotless image. Now, just very briefly, some of you may have been listening and, and said, uh, I've sensed that in the church that I grew up in or the church that I'm in right now. But let's kind of talk about this. I think this is important to, to bring to the surface, even though it's not a subject that we often address. So where do you want to start? Is there one that jumped out at you? I'll start because it ties into my fun fact. Um, <laughs> I personally have seen a lot of blind loyalty and it says, don't ask questions, especially if they are tough ones. And the place that I saw this the most was in youth ministry, not for me specifically, but for my teenagers, they were not allowed to ask tough questions. And if they did, we just kind of glazed over them and kept going. And um, AJ and I, when we were youth pastors, made a commitment to, even if we didn't have the answer, at least address it and go find the answer and come back to the teenager. Because I feel like that's what causes people to walk away from the faith is when they feel like their questions are too messy or too um, hard for the church. Because why is that? <laughs> like, um, I didn't want to create that kind of culture where they couldn't ask identity questions. Yeah. They couldn't ask why do we have to give money to the church? Like all the questions that a teenager who is wrestling with faith has, they should be allowed to ask them. Um, but some of our board members were not happy with that decision. They didn't like one, a uh, youth <laughs> asking hard questions. But on top of that, like we just, it's just what we believe and it's just how we move forward and it's just what we do. And it's like, Mm, no, mm -hmm. that wasn't my personal testimony. My reason for walking away from the Catholic Church was because I had questions and nobody could answer them mm -hmm. and no one wanted to answer them. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't going to let that happen to my own teenagers. Yeah. A lot of times as leaders, we feel defensive, right? When yeah. someone asks a question and we're like, are you saying I'm not doing it the right way? Are you saying that this isn't biblical when it really is, you know, and we feel threatened by that, but we shouldn't, we shouldn't. No. It's a part of growing in faith to ask questions. Yeah. I think there's a lot of places too that people can get answers to questions. <laughs> so mm -hmm. if the church starts yeah. to become a place where, well, don't ask questions, just believe what we tell you. Don't ask any questions about it. Then that, I mean, to me, that's a definition of toxic faith, because if you don't know why you believe what you believe, then the world has plenty of outlets, especially with social media yeah. and stuff nowadays to feed into, hey, ask your questions. We'll tell you what we think and, and we'll give yeah. you everything mm -hmm. for you to consider. And so I think the church needs to be very, very aware when it becomes a just believe what we say close your mouth just believe what we say you know it's like oh. that's a cult yes yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> by definition it's a cult yeah. Yeah. yeah and we also like we've talked before in in an episode like we believe in the power of the holy spirit so i trust god enough to say like this question can be handled by god it doesn't it's not in my power it's through mm. christ and so I, I have never understood the fear associated with questioning. Mm -hmm. Let's walk through it. Let's let's face it. Well, actually, I always I have been saying and I keep saying um, we have to do everything with excellence because we have an excellent God. And that's the way I think, like every time I'm trying to do something for God, I'm trying to do everything I can for him. And I think it's something, if it is, if we think this way, it's okay, like as church to give everything uh, 
to do everything to glorify God. But we have to be careful with perfectionism. Like if it is not good, everything, then it is bad. No, <laughs> no, mm -hmm. things happen. And uh, I think sometimes it frustrates people that wants to, to do the things and maybe a leader comes, oh, you did it bad. You should mm -hmm. do it this way, this way. That person then doesn't want to do Mm -hmm. um, like what he wanted to do at the beginning with all this, the joy for God. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we have to be careful, like, why are we doing this? To glorify God or to glorify our name? Oh, we're yeah. doing this perfect. And when we think that way, then we hurt mm -hmm. other people, people who wants to serve God. That reminds me, listening to your story, I recently heard a podcast with Chris Tomlin, who is one of the biggest worship music writers of any culture right now. There's so many of his uh, worship songs that are even translated into other languages. And I heard him talking about kind of lamenting the this perfectionism and excellence in the church. And uh, just when he was giving his own uh, testimony, he said he started out as like a 15 or a 16 year old, you know, just kind of playing the guitar the way that he could and leading music in his small little country church or wherever it was that he was uh growing up in, but he said that the people around him were like, yes, you're doing a great job. And he said, I feel like we don't have that in the church anymore. Mm -hmm. He said, for people that uh, want to serve the Lord, if they don't come with excellence already and perfectionism already, like there's no room in the church mm -hmm. to grow your gifting in music is what mm -hmm. he was talking about. And it just really made me think for somebody like a Chris Tomlin to be like, hey, we still need to have this space in the church. Like he recognizes a part of who I am and the maturity that I have as a worship leader now came from that 15-year-old that got the support from a church. And and he even said, I know it wasn't perfect. I know it wasn't excellent. I was a 15-year-old le leading music, you know. And so reminds me of that, Natalie, that mm -hmm. we need to be very aware that we don't like place this level of perfectionism and excellence on top of everything, that it just strangles out any type of an immature person that literally just needs to have space to grow, not because mm -hmm. they want to stay immature. They just need a safe space to grow in. Exactly. One of the things that... I think bothers me. I don't know. There's a lot on this list that I have seen and that bother me. One of the things that bothers me the most um, is avarice or greed. I think a huge part of my testimony is because I used to be really greedy. I don't, I don't know if that I would have ever called myself greedy, but like I used to worry a lot about money and material possessions. Mm -hmm. Okay. So much so that I was blinded to everything else. Right. But when Christ finally got a hold of me, right? And he called us into missions. That's a huge part of our testimony is that he Ooh. called us to give up everything. Yeah. We literally had not enough money to pay our rent when he called us to the mission field. We're like, how are we supposed to raise a hundred thousand dollars, you know, to go when we don't even have 7,000 to pay our rent or whatever. I don't know. Well, it wasn't 7,000. 7, 7, <laughs> no, it was seven something, 700. <laughs> 700 sounds realistic. <laughs> yeah, that's more realistic. Um, so like this is huge for me, like just giving that up, giving that to God is a huge piece of my testimony mm -hmm. and how I've seen God bless that. So, but what I see here is that like there is so much focus on money and mm -hmm. things in the church that it, it breaks my heart. Like nobody says it, <laughs> but everything is about money. Mm -hmm. And that that hurts. I mean, I get it. 
Like in order to to operate, to do the things that the church needs to do in this world, we need money. We need finances to do those things. We can't just willy-nilly for free hop on an airplane and travel to another country, right? We can't just go feed the homeless when we don't have any money to buy the food to feed them with, right? So I get it. But there's the fine line in this that we can become so focused on what we're gaining as a church, our money or our possessions, even our buildings or things like that, that we miss the purpose, that we miss working for the kingdom. What happened? What if we operated in like complete faith and discipled people in such a way that they would know, just instinctively know that it was God's will for us to share our money and possessions, that we wouldn't have to preach messages on stewardship? What if our messages on stewardship were about giving away our money instead of gaining more money or collecting it in these nice, neat baskets, right? What if we operated in that way, that we shared our wealth and possessions and everyone worked together for the kingdom of God? I think that, I mean, that would be amazing. And I, I highlighted like this, I pointed out the word disciple, like disciple people, because I think that's what it comes down to. And, you know, growing up from the examples that I saw from the world, not just the church, but like, I was being discipled by the culture, right? And it was gain, collect, earn, and keep it, you know, hang on to it for who knows why. But what if we discipled people in such a way that was give, you know, be good stewards, but in, this, in the way that we can give and help others and share. I think that would make a huge difference. Well, a lot of times we're not, I wouldn't say that we identify ourselves as greedy, but every decision in the church is made about as a result of what money we have. Yeah. yeah. Strategy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so it's not, what is God calling us to? And then he'll provide the money. We'll figure right. that out. It's just, what do we have in the budget? And, oh no, we don't have enough in the budget. So I guess we can't so we do can't. this and right. we can't do that. That's another way of saying, yeah. well, this is kind of toxic. Yeah. Yeah. AJ and I are in the process of adoption, and we just had a conversation with our agency. <laughs> they said, your uh, your predicted cost for an adoption is $35,000 for the whole thing. You make less than that in a year. How are you going to pay for this? And I was like, I mean, it'll be fine. Like, it'll be fine. We'll just, it'll happen. Like, the money will just show up. It's fine. And then the lady <laughs> was like, yeah, we can't tell the Colombian government that they won't believe us. <laughs> oh, I guess... I guess that's how my brain has been trained to think. It's like, it's, it's fine. It'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. What, what about this one that I think hit home with a lot of us? Perpetual cheerfulness. <laughs> right now I have this smile that <laughs> looks like, a, no. Did that hit home with anybody? Oof. I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> a lot. I love to laugh. I love to be happy. Yes. We're, we're glad. <laughs> <laughs> but I can say like, um, it has been really difficult for me to be in from, um, like to show my, my emotions. Mm. And I want to share this story. Um, I remember when I was still close with my emotions, I was open with just one person. She's a leader and she's awesome. And I love her so much. And I was facing this situation with anxiety and insomnia, and that was affecting a lot my personal, spiritual life, everything. And I remember this night, it was Saturday night, I didn't sleep at all, 
my heart was beating, beating really, really fast because of anxiety. I had to run to my mom's arms because I was shaking. Like, it was terrible. I've been facing this kind of things for so long. And the other day at church, I had to worship because I'm part of the worship team. And I just got closer to her because I, I love her so much. And she's like a mother for me. And I told her, I don't feel good. Like, I'm still shaking. Mm -hmm. I'm still with this. And I told her, I'm facing anxiety. It was the first time I opened my mouth mm -hmm. to talk about my emotions and to say, I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. Even though you see me happy all the time, I was not okay. Yeah. And she just told me, <laughs> repent that demon. Like, don't say that. Do not even say that. God is with you. Like, just don't say you have anxiety. And like, I felt I was wrong. Wow. Like, I did something bad. I just was, I was crying so much after that because I was like, God, did I do something bad to you that I, I have all this, all wow. this anxiety, all, all this insomnia? Did I do something bad to you? I'm sorry for this. Mm. And I'm sorry. It's okay. And, I still love her so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't have anything like as I, I don't have I don't there's how can no I say bitterness. Yeah, there's nothing like but that affected me a lot and I closed my emotions yeah. after that. Yeah. yeah. But I remember when I was in Puerto Rico, like Puerto Rico it was a blessing in my life really <laughs> back in January because a friend of mine I met in Puerto Rico, she's a missionary. She was even though we didn't, we didn't know a lot, she was able to open her heart and tell me I'm facing anxiety and insomnia and the same. And I was like, yeah, me too. Mm. I can. And because she was open, I was yeah. open with her too. And I told her the same is happening to me. And I've been mm. dealing with this for so long. Mm. And people in church have been telling me it's not okay. Mm. <laughs> and she told me something that really changed everything. She told me this night she was talking to God and uh, she was asking God why she has everything why like the same question has been I've been asking and God told her I want you to tell me are you going to keep worshiping me even though you have those anxiety or insomnia are you going to keep worshiping me or you're going to take that as an excuse um, to stop doing that mm. and that changed the whole thing mm -hmm. for me like I was feeling like God allowed that moment for her to open, mm. to talk to me. And I was like, yes, God, even though I have all of this, like, I don't understand all the anxiety, all the insomnia, even though it's three, four, five a.m. in the morning and I cannot sleep and my heart is beating fast. I'm going to worship you with mm. all my life, with all my life and everything, with all this anxiety. And since that moment, I took my guitar. <laughs> so every time I have anxiety at 3 a.m., I'm not good with my guitar. God knows that. <laughs> but I take my guitar and I play it and I worship God with my heart beating fast, with my oh. hands shaking. And God is just right after that. He just calmed mm. everything. Mm. And after that, I'm, I'm just ready to sleep. Amen. And this is so important because as we continue to get placed in positions of leadership, mm -hmm. the expectation, what we think, sometimes people actually do want this, but sometimes we think people have the expectation that we will be perfect, that we will be always cheerful, that we have to have all the answers, right? And when we don't, we think we've let them down. And so even as someone being vulnerable and honest to you has changed your life. A lot. 
Now you, by sharing this, you're reaching out. Somebody is listening to this that absolutely needed to hear that. And you can share that. Now, you have to know with whom you're sharing that. You know, there are certain people that still think, no, you have to just repent of that. And you have to always be cheerful and you have to do that. But still, in the right moments, you need to share that. We need to share that because it's out of that honesty and authenticity that other people will then say, oh, being Christian doesn't mean just just having the perfect outside external faith, you know, always cheerful or perfect in, in everything. You know, it's being who I am, struggling with what I am, but God is faithful and I still worship him, you know. And I've seen how. He talks even more in my life when I'm vulnerable with myself mm. and I'm open to say, I'm not okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's good. We've talked about several of these. Remember, control, blame. These are words that are heavy. Emily, you're in a few minutes, you're going to help us to, to know there's a better way. There's hope, right? And certainly the testimony we just heard, thank you, Natalie, it gives us hope. But these are the words, again, of a toxic faith system. It's controlling, blaming, perfectionism is rampant, delusional, perpetual cheerfulness and blind loyalty. We've talked in depth about those. Conformity, mistrust, avarice, and spotless image. Um, Em, did you want to kind of close us by, by telling us, hey, the Bible and God himself give us another way? Yeah. When I read this article, it was interesting because Scott came across this article and we work like back to back in our office. And he was typing it up for us all to kind of think about before we had this episode. And he turned around to me and he goes, I have an article I want to use, but I kind of feel like it's going to be one of those episodes that we just like talk really bad about the church all the time and like and I don't want it to be that way but I think it's an important article that we need to discuss and um and I very clearly remember reading through it and being like oh well what is this article like I don't even know what it is and just looking down through it and I think uh the heaviness comes because we can read these words and when we can start to bring images to our mind of people or church congregations or or body the body of Christ that into some of these things. These are so contrary to what the fruit of the Spirit is mm-hmm. that it should make us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It should make us uncomfortable to say, man, I can see this in the body of Christ. <laughs> I can see greed in the body of Christ. I can see we cast blame in the body of Christ. And I think it, for, for me, when I was reading through it, I thought, you know, when we tackle a subject like this, I have to remember what God's perfect plan is for the body of Christ. And it's that Christ is the head. It's that he is the one that is the centering, the grounding of everything that the body does. And when we lose focus of who Christ is, when we lose focus of what his example was, when we lose focus of how the Holy Spirit literally empowers us every single day to live the way that he tells us we can and should be living, then we will fall prey to toxic faith. We will start to treat it as religion and not as relationship. And just knowing that God's ultimate plan is to renew this 
creation that we have here through the church. And that is, I mean, you probably hear it over and over again in these podcast episodes and, and it should be the common line through everything that we do is God is making something new. God is making something new. And when, when our church, when the words that can describe our church fit into worldly culture as opposed to God's fruit of the Spirit, then let that be something that we, in the Genesis characteristics, we say, let's evaluate and make changes when necessary. So instead Mm -hmm. of like James says, you know, don't look in a mirror and then walk away and don't make any changes. So when you read words like this and when God maybe is pointing out a convicting, a convicted spirit of like, I would have reacted that way, Natalie. Like if you had told me that I would have reacted that way, like that's the Holy Spirit saying, okay, well, let's make a change. Mm -hmm. I invite you to make a change and I empower you to make a change so that we can start walking the way that Christ wants us to walk. And uh, the, the hope of this world is the church. We are the church. And I think God desires to use us in so many more powerful ways. Mm-hmm. So many more powerful ways that as we start to be able to have some of this self-awareness. And and I think these articles are important. We don't dwell there. We don't stay there. We know that God's in the work of transforming. And, uh, and he uses the church for transformation to take place. And so may God help us. Mm-hmm. May God help us in these areas that we say, we're a mess, God. We are completely a mess. We had a an entire episode around Advent season, around being a mess, and praise God, He joins us in it, mm. and uh, and He desires the best for us and for this world, and He's going to use us to do that. Yeah. Mm. Even in the testimony that you shared, Natalie, like there was hope because one person eh, did not react probably the way that that we would hope they would, uh, but then another person did, yeah. and so maybe one thing we yep. could have done, we don't have time to do it right now, but is to just say, hey. Where has the church gotten it right? Because the church has yeah. done some things well. We've we're products of people that have allowed us to be authentic, yeah. have allowed us to ask questions. And thank you, Chelsea. You even said I was able to ask questions in college and right. in other places without people saying, That's weird. Why are you saying this? You know, mm-hmm. and all of us have experienced toxic faith systems, I should mm-hmm. say. But we also praise the Lord for his grace, have experienced through the church faith systems that have healed, that have empowered uh, and that have given us a place to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. I think on that note, we should probably wrap up. Remember the challenge from earlier in the episode. Talk to five people that need to hear about this podcast, maybe this exact episode. Right. It started discussion. These were not made just to be you know, put in, in your headphones and okay, now I just heard that and that's fine. It was made to start conversations like this, our conversation that we just had. We hope that that is one of many that now you're going to have about this very important subject. So Emily, if they would like to rate, review, tell other people, how can they do that? Yeah, this article, if you want to read all of them a little bit more in depth, is on transformtheglobe.com. You can see tons of articles on there. But this one you specifically, I bet you if you put in the search bar, toxic faith uh, would pop up this one. Um, You can also follow us on Facebook, which is the Worthless Servants podcast. You can find us online at www.mesoamericagenesis.org under the podcast tab. And you can give us a follow on Spotify. And if you want to share an episode, or this episode specifically, I can tell you from my own experience, sharing it through Spotify to an Instagram story is a really easy, great way. There's a great integration. So if you're on 
Instagram and Spotify, it pretty much shares it for you. All you have to do is push one button and it'll make a really pretty post and everybody's going to give you hearts on it. <laughs> That's awesome. Please do so. That would really help us to get the word out. So good. We are the Worthless Servants and I'm Scott Armstrong. I'm AJ Fry. I'm Chelsea Fry. I'm Natalie Frank. And I'm Emily Armstrong. And we will talk with you next time. For more information, visit us on Facebook or at mesoamericagenesis.org.